You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. Electronic medical records and personal health records are powerful tools that can improve adherence, increase efficiency, and better coordinate patient care. But how effective are health information technology initiatives proving to be at fostering better patient care? Our guest is Dr. Richard Katz, Bodorn Professor of Cardiology, Director of the George Washington Cardiovascular Institute, and Director of the Division of Cardiology at George Washington University Hospital in Washington, D.C. Welcome, Dr. Katz. Uh, Thank you. Pleased to be here. Dick, can you clarify for us the difference between electronic medical records, EMRs, and personal health records, PHRs, and and what the overlap is, if there is one? Uh, Yes. First, with the electronic medical record, as most of us are learning in the community, physicians, uh, both at hospitals and in office practices, paper charts are being converted into uh, electronic uh, repositories, which will include uh, not only uh, basic uh, health information as well as all kinds of aspects of their health care, their medical reports, their insurance information, billing information, and it's very comprehensive. It's specific to that entity, however, so it will be to a practice or to a a hospital where an individual physician has access to his or her patient record. So the interoperability piece is not done? Correct. We, for example, have an electronic medical record at GW in our clinic practice, which is different from the one that's in our hospital. But we can access it in the clinic through the internet. We can pull up uh, the hospital record uh, electronically. So uh, they're not integrated, but they're available. In contrast, a personal health record uh, really is something that is patient-controlled rather than physician-controlled. You or I can create a personal health record electronically. It uh, can be maintained with security uh, in the Internet uh, very inexpensively where, uh, with a varying level of, of detail where we're basically creating our comprehensive health information, our contact information, our medications, our immunizations, uh, illnesses, family history, social history, are all can be entered in there so that can be accessed. And it can be transmitted to someone that you or I give the password to, or we can print out a report that can be handed or faxed to or electronically transmitted to a another a medical provider. We control it. It can be more complex. You can scan information like an EKG or an echo report or an image of a, a catheterization into it, uh, and then that can be available to any of your uh, healthcare providers. Okay, so what's the status between being able to populate back and forth in terms of technological capabilities today, electronic medical record data into the personal health record or or vice versa. Is that a future kind of thing or is there some capacity to do that today? Uh, There is some capacity to do it. It's it's part of what's called the health information exchange. And so interfaces have been created. One with the personal health record and the two big ones are Google Health and the Microsoft Health Vault. There's an interface with uh, some of these personal health records. We're happy to use one called No More Clipboard, which is interestingly talking with the ACC as well. And that can be interfaced with an electronic medical record. 
as well. So uh, my colleagues at Howard University have interfaced their diabetes practice with the electronic medical record called Clinipro with uh, their personal health record. So if lab data gets put into their electronic medical record, that gets populated right away into their personal health record. And similarly with medications, if they are putting a new medication in their electronic medical record, that updates their personal health record. That's very slick. You know, um, two-thirds, three-fourths of the costs of Medicare today are related to chronic diseases, and, and many patients in the Medicare age particularly, and many younger than that, have multiple comorbidities. So disease management software is is very jazzy today. People are excited about applying disease management software. Once again, is there an interface and an exchange of disease management software that could be used for EMRs and PHRs together, and, and where's the status of that? You know, there are disease management programs out there where you can get a, a sort of telemedicine. Disease management software now has been developed for diabetes, heart failure, hypertension, asthma, and a few other chronic diseases have been developed by different companies that allow patients' uh, information to be uh, put into a system. And the system requires a disease management software which complements a medical system, whether it be case managers or cardiologists or other primary care providers. That kind of system has different levels of complexity. In heart failure, you can do a tracking of weight, uh, as we often do to manage uh, the diuretics. Uh, with diabetes, there are uh, trackers for glucose. And these systems can be pretty sophisticated. They can pick out the ranges that you're supposed to be in that are uh, set by the physician. They can give a feedback and tips to the patient and coaching as to whether they're in range, out of range, uh, what they might do based on what the physician has set, uh, how they could uh, take let's say, they're diuretics that day. That's the doctor and the patient actually working together on, on outcomes, and it's pretty exciting stuff if it works. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Dr. Richard Katz, Blodorn Professor of Cardiology, Director of the George Washington Cardiovascular Institute, and Director of the Division of Cardiology at George Washington University Hospital in Washington, D.C. We're discussing initiatives aimed at utilizing EMRs and PHRs to improve patient care. Uh, Dick, what are the components of PHRs that uh, you think are most important? The components are, first of all, the basic information of your medical issues, your medications, your physicians, and their contact information. Second, there are trackers that can be set up, let's say, in cardiovascular disease, blood pressure and uh, weight uh, activity, lipids, and various dietary intakes. The third part are medical documents that are part of your medical care, let's say your EKG, echo report, cath report, things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Now, you talked a bit about the No More Clipboard Initiative, and as you know, ACC is developing the Pinnacle Registry and Pinnacle Network to put programs like uh, No More Clipboard and others into organizing quality of care communities of cardiologists and primary care doctors to systematically improve quality of care and outcomes in the community. Uh, what are the challenges of integrating health IT into cardiology practices in this in these kinds of ways. Yeah, the challenges for these kind of systems one is the cost. We have to support patients if they're going to be using a personal health record or practices or uh, hospital systems. Second other challenge is workflow. This has to be time efficient so the patient doesn't get tired of it, uh, it is simple enough that they can do it, and thus is sustainable. And then finally, there may be need to be incentives. There have been programs that are testing incentives for the various constituencies, paying 
patients or reducing, uh, let's say, their co-pays for things to use these kind of things, and for physicians then to also be able to uh, keep track of these quality measures and to be in their office uh, practice as well. So these are important uh, components of something that's nice in theory. Yeah, well, it's, this is tough, and it's been slow in healthcare, as you know. What about the new technologies, smartphones, for example? Can doctors use smartphones? Can patients use smartphones to communicate back and forth and track chronic disease or actually look at the data that they have in EHRs and PHRs? Absolutely. At our uh, institution, the physician can uh, pull up for example, like an iPhone, I can pull up a portion of your electronic medical record. I can send that information to a pharmacy uh, and prescribe right from my cell phone or to uh, another health provider of another side of the country, a fax version of your health uh, with uh, the patient's permission. Since cell phones are something that we carry around and is very high usage uh, in our high-risk populations, our inner-city populations, our rural populations, the personal health records now are now compatible uh, to be viewed through a cell phone. Uh, so there's tremendous uh, opportunity there. We are transmitting electrocardiograms from uh, ambulance or emergency room to the uh, on-call interventional cardiologist. So a cell phone uptake is going to be very helpful. And finally, I'm hoping that we will have communication to the cell phone, uh, for example, of your active medications. And when you go to the pharmacy, as soon as you uh, get a new prescription, it will swing back through uh, the PHR, update that, and let your cell phone be updated as to what uh, medications you're taking with reminders. That's very savvy and needed, uh, no doubt about it. Well, you know, a lot of our colleagues out there are... um holding back on all this great stuff. Cardiologists, of course, got hit very hard in this Medicare payment rule this year, and most private practices are wondering whether they're going to even be viable, let alone have money to invest or to go after the ARRA grants coming up from the federal government to help. What would you offer in terms of advice to cardiologists about how to get started with HIT or further integrate HIT into their existing system, starting from paper to where they need to go? There are now uh, several really good systems uh, that are out there uh, that are uh, used by uh, many practices, and they're going to have to uh, vet those and compare those as far as the cost to their uh, sites. Especially have to look at not only the workflow and the simplicity of those particular systems, but also the uh, continuing cost to maintain them as to what kind of IT services are provided. Uh, It's sort of like when you buy an echo machine, you know you have to have a contract to to keep it functioning for the next uh, several years. So those are going to be components that some of the people are going to have to uh, evaluate. Uh, We've been providing here in Washington, D.C., through our university practice, the opportunity to link into our electronic medical system and share with, uh, as part of our, our billing system as well. Uh, so I think that groups have to get together to uh, share their costs because we have, a, for example, a whole good IT service here, but uh, small practices don't have that. So if we can create uh, groups that share an IT service and that can bring some of these costs down to a reasonable level, uh, it will finally start to uh, work because we're really going to all have to do so to get some of these incentives. Do you see, Dick, that these are going to be virtual groups that link up with you on some contractual basis, or do you think that we really need to move to integration and to have practices in the community that are going to have trouble being viable, hook up with centers like GW 
and actually become part uh, of your network. How do you see that manifesting? Well, I think certainly the second one, the actual groups, finding a center that has this skill set uh, is going to be helpful because they're going to be uh, sharing. So I would start with that, with actual sort of linking up of, of groups. I've not seen these virtual groups uh, yet, but I think uh, certainly that uh, has potential as well, especially when there are groups uh, that are small and spread out and there isn't a central group nearby that is uh, easily accessible. Hospitals like GW and, and most other large centers that deal with cardiovascular medicine are already working with the National Cardiovascular Data Registries, the NCDR, and the American College of Cardiology to measure outcomes in the inpatient setting. We've used that for door-to-balloon. We're now using it for hospital-to-home, reducing readmission rates, and so forth. ACC has proposed this pinnacle network for the community to expand the registry services across the outpatient domain because we believe it's important to measure what we're doing and give people continuous, real-time feedback about the extent to which they're providing evidence-based care and so forth. What role do you think uh, registries and this kind of of, uh, surveillance system is going to play in tracking better outcomes in the future using all this electronic infrastructure? I think it's going to be very important. Just having used an electronic medical record myself for the last four years has really changed our practice in a very positive way. Uh, We are just seeing so much more data and tracking it much, much better. When we start then going into these checklists and reminders of quality and looking at what kind of performance standards we have, it's going to be better for the patient. And when it comes to prevention and and treatment, then we can hopefully get reimbursed for the time and efforts spent that show that we are so-called paid for performance. Yeah, that's uh, the incentives need to come along. That's for sure. That's important. And, you know, there are a lot of other applications probably just around the corner for us. What do you see in terms of mobile health applications for cardiology that we haven't talked about? We've talked about smartphones, but what about the transmission of uh, ECGs, of echoes, of cath data, and more sophisticated data back and forth uh, imaging? Do you see applications that will become mobile in these regards as well uh, in the pipeline? They're actually already available. There's a small company that uh, we've been working with called MVISM, little M-V-I-S-U-M. You get a server uh, at your site. We have it in our emergency department, and uh, they will uh, transmit electrocardiograms. When an electrocardiogram is done, it is automatically uploaded into this server instantaneously and is called to the cardiologist's cell phone. The quality is terrific. Awesome. It's awesome. They can also transmit echocardiograms and catheterization movies, uh, videos. Uh, We're taking this next step. Uh, GE has now developed a a handheld cell phone-sized echo machine with a small probe the size of a pen. They're talking about that replacing or complementing the stethoscope. That can be also transmitted to a cardiologist's cell phone. Makes telemedicine a whole lot more exciting in cardiology, doesn't it? It's really growing by leaps and bounds there. Well, look, if if these kinds of uh, exciting opportunities and innovations haven't uh, turned people on as far as converting their practice, nothing will. Thanks very much. We've been discussing ways to utilize EMRs and PHRs and emerging technology to improve quality of patient care with Dr. Richard Katz. Dr. Katz, thank you for being our guest today. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.